Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, um, every now and again, I get a guest into the studio that I'm really, really excited by. Someone that I've always wanted to meet or who I follow. And today is very much one of those days. I get asked a lot, uh, both with clients and the corporate work that we do, who do I follow on social media? Who do I follow for advice? And uh, for today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Dominic Monelli, who is someone who I uh, follow for advice in terms of social uh, tips, posts, content. He's an expert within the fitness industry, no question about it whatsoever. I'm delighted to bring him to studio to have a chat with us. Dominic Manelli, welcome to the Thanks again for having us on. I feel after that introduction, you were going to say The Rock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for if the listeners are a little bit disappointed it's not, not The Rock. Not at all. You are an expert within the industry, no question Thanks about much, it. Yeah. Um, your approach is balanced, it's educated, it's real, it's no no nonsense, there's no bullshit. Yeah. It's uh, very straight and yeah. uh, it's it's a pleasure to, 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 to watch it, to read it to listen to it um life is good yeah yeah it was really good um i suppose the last uh, 20 years have kind of brought some ups and downs that both myself and yourself have been working in the industry that length of time but it um, makes you feel old i know i know when too. you say it like that <laughs> um but um no it's it's been it's been um uh, a really good journey uh, as i said lots of ups and downs lots of moments where you think you can't you know, do this sort of work sustainably uh, long term. I've probably experienced similar burnouts that you would have uh, experienced throughout the years. And you learn from those mistakes, hopefully. Um, But ultimately, it's really about, you know, uh, contribution and giving back to the people and and in some ways inspiring um, people out there to uh, to move a little bit more and move in a sensible way. And do you think the industry's changed over the course of the 20 years? Mm. And what, what kind of changes do you, do you see? <clears throat> yes and no. I think in some ways, in the, in the last couple of years, it's probably changed, um, certainly from the social media side, side of things, uh, more in a, on a negative, um, from a neg- in a negative way. Um, and I sometimes harp back to the days where I preferred when gyms were a little bit more social, um, mm-hmm. where everybody knew each other, where the trainers cared, where the trainers weren't spending half their time on the phone. Um, the thing, Carl, the thing I kind of struggle with probably probably the most with the fitness industry is that fitness industry has never been stronger um, especially within the last particularly the last five years mm-hmm. there's more trainers qualified there's more there's more gyms you could go anywhere down the country and find a very well equipped very local small gym that's has got probably decent trainers um, and, and fantastic facilities yet obesity rates in the country um, and how overweight people are how sick people are is going up and up and up so I largely think I think actually honestly Carl that the fitness industry is failing people so so, uh, you know, I uh, examine what the content I put out on a continual basis and kind of try and ask myself, how is this affecting people? Because I'm not really, you know, noticing a big change on a, mm-hmm. on a national level. And, I, I, I'm, you know, 
some people would say, well, you're aiming too high, Dominic. I'm, okay, maybe I'm aiming too high, but I'm very much of the opinion that if you can become the change you want to see in others, then that's where you need to start. It's not about, you know, trying to affect, you know, 10,000 people. It's maybe trying to affect the people within your area um, and then kind of branching out from there. So for me, it's always been, uh, when it comes to fitness, is base things off principles first, not methods, and then we move forward from there. Okay. So... When I knew you were coming in, I said, what, 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 what's the best thing we can do for our listeners? And my thoughts were to pick your brains, yeah. to pick your top tips for fitness uh, and health so that the listeners can take those away yeah. and they can implement them in their own lives. Um, so let's start with one of your tips. Let's chat, let's chat through them. What do you got? Okay, so first one would be, um, uh, we have to, as I just mentioned earlier, we have to start with principles first. So mm-hmm. fitness industry loves to sell us methods. So, so methods are basically like how you do certain things, like you're going to run, you're going to lift weights, you're going to do a boot camp. They're all methods, but they're not principles. So we have to start with understanding this whole concept of fitness as not being just your capacity to be able to run on a straight line, not your capacity to lift, you know, double body weight deadlift, um, and not just your ability to do seven yoga classes in a row. So we have to kind of have a rounded version of fitness that takes the understanding that mobility is really important, that having a base strength is really important, and that and working on some aspect of conditioning is important. Once we have all those three married together, it's an awful lot easier to form uh, a training plan, okay. and then. Um, surrounding that training plan, what we also then need to focus on is the principle of being athletic over being aesthetic. So, i.e., it's and aesthetics are huge now. <coughs> yeah, the Instagram massive. generation will show us that that the aesthetics are mm. is driving people into the gyms and yeah, yeah. particularly the, the kind of the younger the younger market. Yeah, and it's a huge problem. What you uh, what a lot of studies are now coming out and showing is that uh, particularly among um, uh, teenage boys and girls is that you then have an awful lot of, uh, an increase in depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and um, eating disorders as a result of this. Um, I see this all the time. So the solution to that is really simple is that trainers need to put forward an ethos that what we're teaching clients is really about how well you can move your body and mm-hmm. what these movements are going to do for your body as opposed to purely how you look. If the narrative is constantly coming back to only how you look, then there's you'll never be satisfied. So that's why you have um, an, in a lot of the principles that some people put forward or even the selling and, and marketing of certain um, ways. Oh, now we're getting to a total soapbox. I'm going to join you in the marketing yeah. soapbox. So <laughs> if, you, if you look at how a lot of things are marketed, it's yeah. always in a high hyper-aggressive way. It is, yeah. It's always in, in in this way where it's like no pain, no gain. If you're not, if it's not hurting, it's not working. Um, and it's super quick, super easy. All yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and, and uh, in some ways, like I have a problem with it and I don't have a problem with it because I understand that, you know, if we look at how people make decisions and we look at the work of Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman, um, and they're Nobel Prize winners, and they will tell us that people, would they will make decisions um, very, very quickly quickly and easily and they don't tend to think about things too well so the marketing just kind of plays into that Um, so we need to move the conversation away from not just how your body looks Mm -hmm. but what what these movements are going to do for your body and then learning new skills that you can appreciate your body a little bit more Um, and once those uh, once the conversation and narrative moves in in that direction I feel that's a far more positive direction and I think it would maybe shore up why why we're seeing such a large dropout in sports participation when kids get to like the teenage years and and I think a a large part of it is they're lost to the gym culture Mm -hmm. and the gym culture for largely that generation has now become 
very much focus on how you look. And I'm not saying you won't get the look. I am saying, like, I'm representative of that. Like, I'm representative of, of a 43-year-old man this year. That Are you 40? 43 no this way. year. Um, really? Yeah. Um, and Folks, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here opposite Dominic. I followed her for, for a long, long time, as I've said. I have no idea what age he was, but mm. I wouldn't... 43, I wouldn't have put you... What yeah, I, what you'll put have you to look me up on Instagram, folks. Um, <laughs> Um, but look, <laughs> overall, like uh, you'll see with the content I, I tend to put out is that it's never, ever, ever focused on on how I look. Mm-hmm. Yet I can I could have completely played to that. Uh, but I saw that as just it's too easy and it didn't feel right to me. So when I'm sitting in my 20s and I'm studying philosophy and I'm studying personal development, how, how is that washing with me? And I don't understand how a lot of the uh, so-called leaders of the fitness industry, people who are popular in social media, um, can hand on heart um, be okay about putting that that sort of content forward mm-hmm. when they know for a fact they are doing damage. So yeah, I have a big problem with that. That's all right. That's um, okay. So that was your first tip. Really, is those is those principles. Yep. You know, principles uh, first. Yeah. Start with those, start and then with that those. gives you a really good foundation, and the the wise with why you do certain types of training. Yep. Once you've got the principles sorted. As remind, remind the listeners of the principles again. Principles should be that you should have a good balance between how well you move, that's your mobility, uh, getting a little bit stronger and having a good base of conditioning. That's your capacity to be able yep. to have your heart rate elevated. Right. So once we have a good balance in all those three areas, we're winning. Um, and then um, omnipresent throughout that is the whole concept that what we're striving for here is becoming more athletic and not worrying so much about the uh, mm-hmm. aesthetic side of yeah, things. Yeah, focus on how you feel, on the feel-good benefits, the movement benefits, Absolutely. flexibility benefits, and being strong enough for life. Absolutely. To yeah. live your life. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want to be. Uh, as, yeah. as, especially as you get older, we see that people are struggling with day-to-day things now. So walking upstairs, carrying things because they've no strength. So, yeah. you know, you've got to work it for your life. And that's why in, a, in in our book, we would have had like our sitting to standing test, which is just sitting on the floor, coming to a standing position. That was used by um, uh, by doctors and nurses for years in, to show um, the decrease in strength as people get on in age. So we know that there's a high correlation between all forms of degenerative disease and loss of, of strength and loss of muscle mass as you get, as you get older. Mm-hmm. But also in conjunction with that, where we have big issues then around the mobility side of things and pe- people you know just get stiffer and tighter as they get older which is another you know major point which we'll be talking about in a minute okay, great so food mm-hmm. let's talk food for a second I'm going to pull yep. towards there a little bit I was going to say your favourite recommendations probably your favourite tips for people to improve how they eat what they eat I know that's there's a whole podcast in its own Absolutely. I'm, I'm asking you on one little question but what are your what are your top ones from 20 years <clears throat> in the industry okay so um, I suppose on the food side of things um, again, something I've probably struggled with an awful lot more um, because I just think about these things an awful lot. Um, I suppose the, a couple of tips on the food. So first of all, on the nutrition side of things, it's important for people to understand that fat burning is not fat loss. So just because somebody goes and does a thousand calorie workout, um, it doesn't mean in any way you have lost any fat because you then have to examine what the person is eating so we also then knowing that we know now know that that just because you did this monster workout doesn't mean that you have to obviously look at the overall calorie deficit of the day and many calories you actually burned we have to then acknowledge that calories count Mm -hmm. because some people will say that like oh calories don't count just you know eat paleo eat keto everything's going to fall into place it won't Um, the majority of people uh, need to focus on just getting a base understanding of where any of those extra calories are coming from 
if they've got weight issues, if they're looking to get a little bit bigger or stronger, then they need to look at, you know, tracking that for a couple of days or a week or two. So then um, they can see where they're making some slight mistakes. But okay, the goal so it's of, awareness, first yeah, of all. Absolutely. It's being aware it's of what you're reading. Um, awareness without becoming obsessive. Yes. So you do the awareness pit like, yeah, you're going to log it for a couple of days or a week or two on MyFitnessPal. So you can realize, oh, right, having a muffin and a latte every day is like, that's where I was falling <laughs> down, you know. Because people uh, forget stuff like that. Don't oh, they? yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I've, I've always said that to the clients, tea or coffee always come with something. They very rarely go on their own. And it's that's something that you forget. And that could be 400 calories in a muffin from a coffee shop uh, okay. that you've forgotten about. Yeah. And, and, and now what you have, Carl, is that people are replacing that with something that's equally calorific. But then they're saying, well, hey, Dominic, it's vegan. It's cool. <laughs> like we got some avocado in there. We got some nuts. We got some coconut oil. We got some chocolate. What's not to like about this? OK, well, actually, that vegan chocolate cake you yeah. just made in one slice is like six, seven hundred calories. And what you're, you're only going to have one slice. Give me a break. You're or not. Or it's a protein bar. Or it's a protein yeah. bar. Again, and, and sorry, that's another good point is that if you're dis- if you're making a decision to have the protein bar over having, you know, a piece of fruit, you have completely missed the point on nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you so know, at that point, basically, your, your advice is, you know, it's simplifying it, bring it back to nature, eating real foods. As eat opposed real, to processed absolutely. Foods. Eat real foods, eat in a sustainable manner. So eat in a way where if you're making any adjustments to your nutrition, you should be able to say, can I see myself eating like this for the next six months or for the rest of my life? If the answer is no, then you need to change things. Calories do count. And then what will adjust for some people is the overall macronutrients. They're your proteins, your carbs and fats. That can adjust according to how well your body runs. Some people will run on a slightly higher protein and fat intake. Some people will run better on a higher carbohydrate intake. What we tend to find in the work we do is that um, most of the macronutrient balance is activity dependent. Mm -hmm. So the higher the levels of activity, generally the people need a little bit more carbohydrates. And then, you know, obviously if they're less active, they need probably less, you know. Um, And then we see that across the board. But calories still count so um, sometimes people make progress in terms of weight loss not for the reasons why they think they've made the progress Mm -hmm. so they attribute it towards I am now ketogenic I am now paleo and they attribute it towards that whereas yes all you've simply done is you've afforded yourself the opportunity to give your way of adherence to a nutrition protocol a little bit easier my final point in nutrition would be that it's easier to control your environment than it is to control your willpower so Uh, when you're setting yourself up, if you have all the junk food surrounding yourself the whole time, then it's very, very hard to overcome your willpower to say no. So it's easier to set out and plan ahead and have the food around you that you need to have around you because the the, the choice is easier. Um, so, yeah, they'd be probably my top nutrition tips. I'm just thinking if my wife is beside me now, what would she say? <laughs> She'd probably say, you know, cook from scratch yeah. as much as possible. Um, and she'd probably say... Here's what she'd probably say. She'd probably say the conversations around nutrition need to move away from just purely calories and just purely about the benefits of certain foods and now need to move towards conversations around a taste, uh, cooking from scratch, enjoyment, pleasure and company around around said food. I think all conversations should come back towards that because what we tend to focus on is all of the nuances of food mm-hmm. and not you know, all the enjoyment of food. Um, So people end up knowing the calories of everything and they don't know the flavours or tastes of anything. The word mindful springs to mind to summarise what what you just said for people in terms of being mindful when you eat. Mm. So chewing, tasting, talking, taking in the environment at which you're eating. Eating at a table as a family, we know the research from families who eat together are, are generally healthier. Yeah. 
um, and it's taking technology away and it's just enjoying the simplicity of a meal mm. and the simplicity of food. Mm. And simplicity is a really key point for health. It always has been. And it's great to hear the vigor. Every now and again, we bring guests in. It's fascinating in this space. The podcast space mm. is really interesting because if a guest doesn't know their topic, it's so blindingly obvious mm. thankfully we have very few of those guests but someone like yourself who's got such vigor and passion and content it's great I'm getting, I'm, yeah. not that I'm not motivated myself but I've had a particularly busy four weeks having exercise for four weeks uh, due to a new addition to your household I'm getting quite psyched uh, just sitting here okay let's put it back to the next tip um, exercise Okay, so... Um, we've looked at principles, we've looked at a little bit of food. Yeah, so leading on from principles, I suppose, would be um, we tend to focus a lot on mobility. Um, and mobility basically is that kind of perfect balance between you being stable and being flexible. So we're not talking about people just purely showing off how flexible they are. Because what we would find is we have people that would come to us and they're really bendy, but they can't stabilize anything. So the midline, like their core is quite weak, the upper back is quite weak. So these are people that may be overly focused on the mobility side of things or the flexibility side of things, um, but without realising they need to build in some stability as well. Now, that's quite rare. What we tend to find is just people have muscles that are stiff, tight and weak. And trying to and Especially do, as they get older, they, they, yeah. they tighten and weaken. Carl, honestly, I'm seeing people that are in their 50s and 60s with better mobility than some clients coming in in their 20s. Really? Yes. Wow. So when you ask about what's the change in the industry, that's one of the big changes I tend to uh, have seen okay. in the last couple of years. So you've got people that are spending hours and hours and hours bent over a phone and then coming into us kind of with, you know, um, issues around the shoulder, neck, mm-hmm. um, hip flexors are really, really tight, sitting in chairs the whole, uh, the whole time. Um, and then that causes issues around mobility. So an easy way to kind of uh, comprehend mobility is a bit like trying to drive your car with the handbrake on the whole time. You've got plenty of power there, but you don't have access to it because you can't the handbrake half mm-hmm. on the whole time. So um, we've devised a series of four or five simple tests you can do that have a huge kick down or trickle down effect onto a lot of other areas. Um, and the tests are based around the knowledge that you have certain joints in your body that should be mobile and certain joints in your body that should be stable. So if we look at the hip joint as an example, the hip joint should be a mobile joint, so we should be able to move that no problem. If that doesn't get the mobility in that area, it'll look for that up or down the chain, either in the knee or the lower back. So when people come to us and say, I have a weak lower back, I've been doing this 20 years and I haven't seen anybody with low, a weak lower back. Mm-hmm. I've seen lots of people with massive issues around their hip and their yeah. T-spine, but um, so they're both mobile joints uh uh, and that's where the problems tend and to for occur. someone listening in who's on the bus on the way home thinking oh maybe I A I've got lower back pain or B maybe I've got tight hips mm. is there anything simply they can do even while listening to the podcast yeah. that they can test out their hip their hip uh, flexibility yeah yeah so if they're sitting in a chair and um, they get one foot and they cross it over their knee uh, and just put their foot up on their knee and they would notice I'm going to back away from yeah, here a little bit oh yeah so they're in this position yeah exactly so they got the foot up so as my foot is kind of coming cutting straight across my body it's kind of like sitting cross legged but with my yeah. knee sticking out okay, to the side. So if you're sitting at home uh, listening, or even you can do this on the bus if you want. Um, I'm sure you might get some funny looks and passengers, but that's okay. So sit right up in your chair uh, with your feet uh, uncrossed, feet flat on the floor. Keep your left leg on the floor. Take your right heel up onto your left knee. Exactly. And see if you can get to that position first and foremost. Exactly. And if you have to kind of shoehorn yourself into that position, you've probably got massive issues around your hip. If the knee is winking at you because it wants to look up at the ceiling, <laughs> then again, that's another uh, another thing to kind of come back and address. Okay. So again, the solution to the mobility side of things is really simple. It has three steps. Is One is do some soft tissue work on it. It's very easy if you can get break out a foam roll, get some little balls, like lacrosse balls out, um, work in oh. on the areas that, yeah, I know, the in pain. on the glutes. Yeah, I know. Oh. It, but again, like, lacrosse you know, 
well. People will say to me, they will kind of go, oh, well, is this normal? I'm like, well, if I took a couple of 10-year-old kids in here, you, they would kind of ask, what's the issue here? This, I don't feel anything. Um, uh, so, yeah, you've got to do some soft tissue work in the area. Mm -hmm. Then you need to do some strength work in the area because yep. generally a muscle that is very, very tight like that is often quite weak. Yep. Um, and then you need to do something um, uh, to stretch that area. So you, if you're looking at the hips, you're looking at a couch stretch and a pigeon stretch. There you mean okay, too. So again, it comes back to your principles that we chatted about earlier on in terms of flexibility, mobility and, and, and conditioning or strength work. Exactly. So and, and uh, so our bi big thing is that um, when we're working with, with clients, all movements um, are risky when you're dealing with a body that is very stiff tight mm -hmm. and weak so we want to try and minimize that risk so for a lot of people the jump off point isn't 50 burpees and you know a thousand squats which for a lot of people that is their jump off point when they walk in and they get a baptism of fire in some sort of boot camp type scenario and can't so walk for a week which, is, can't never, walk which week. is never good folks you are listening to the real health podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me Carl Henry I really hope you're enjoying my brain picking session with a fantastic Dominic Minnelli um let's pull back to fluid now uh, tea, coffee, water, fizzy drinks. What should people be drinking? Um, water, water. The, the majority of the time, absolutely, yep. And I do think that the um, the positive benefits that... You'll see studies that will come out every so often on tea, coffee, alcohol, um, but I think a lot of the positive benefits around those substances can often come back to uh, the company that you share when you're having those um, uh, fluids as opposed to, you know, the properties within those um, you know, uh, drinks. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think if people do it in, a, again, a sustainable way and in a way that's quite sensible, I don't see those as being a, a problem at all. Um, where there's a big problem is if people are like, you know, having to take like six or seven cups of coffee in a day just to get through the day. You've probably got big problems there and, and there's probably areas of your sleep that you need to clean up then as well. Um, Still so yeah, water sparkling? for the most. Um, I'm not really that fussed on it now. It's just what, uh, if in. somebody wants to get a lot of their fluid through just, you know, having a little bit more tea in their diet, I, I don't think there's a major problem with that. Um, I think sometimes that you know, people can overdo the fluid side of things and, you know, feel that they're being more virtuous by just drinking a, a huge amount of water. Whereas for the majority of people, you have to kind of come back to like, where do you fall down? So there's no point in drinking like five liters of water if your mobility still sucks and you don't do any conditioning and the rest of your nutrition is bad. So, you know, it, it, it go for the low hanging fruit first, you know, and if that is water for some people, then absolutely. Yeah. Get more in. Yeah. But it's, you know? it's, it's one part of a jigsaw. Absolutely. Yeah. Much bigger picture. Yeah. Um, supplements. Yeah. Pre workouts, post workouts, during workouts. It is possibly the biggest explosion of an area that I, I've seen over yeah. the course of the last couple of years. Everyone walks out of uh, a very, very large gym close to our gym is with something in their hand, and yeah. they're going in with something in their hand. Mm. Uh, it's very popular, very trendy. What's your thoughts on it? Okay, so yesterday I was asked, um, we were, myself and my wife were doing a corporate talk and that was one of the questions that came up like, you know, should I take a protein supplement after my workout? Like, do I need to take it within an hour or two hours? What's the magic metabolic window I need to take it in? And I said, there is none. Because um, again, every study will show you that um, when you take your calories in post-workout, it doesn't really matter. What will matter is the total number of calories you take in within the entire day. Um, and you will start to see a movement within even the supplement uh, industry where they will uh, move towards where the science is and they will continue to say uh, or they'll start to say 
things like, look, you know, we're providing you with adequate amounts of protein in, let's say, this whey protein supplement. It's really handy to take it in post-workout, but if you eat real food, that's just as good. Um, the whole pre-workout thing, again, I just think that if you need to constantly use pre-workouts to get a good workout in, you probably need a more interesting hobby. <laughs> You know, you really need to pick something else up, like because, uh, you know, plus as well, Carl, it kind of touches on another point I wanted to make, and that's around the whole idea of becoming more cortisol conscious. Mm -hmm. So if you're jacking yourself up like that with pre-workouts or excessive caffeine the whole time, that doesn't come for free. You know, like exercises and, and, and fitness and training is only positive if you can adequately recover from it. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're going in and you think that every single workout you, you do has to be done at a very high intensity and max out the whole time and no pain, no gain, that is completely unsustainable. No professional athlete would ever treat their body like that. And if, and if I was to go and treat a professional athlete like that, I'd be turfed out after about the first week because you'd break them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why if you look at the studies around, let's say, for example, high-intensity interval training. They're all short-term studies. They're four and six weeks. So once you start to dig into it or you start to even apply it, which I would have done years ago with clients, you realize two things are happening after about four or six weeks with my clients. One, they're getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And then two, they're getting burnt out. So you step back and you go, okay, right, that was really stupid. I'm following the science that existed at the time, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, so the same thing is that then happening with the whole pre-workout sort of phenomenon is that people are maybe pushing too hard on days where they should have been pulling back. So we tend to advocate is something that's been popularized an awful lot by a Texan that's based in Norway. His name is Steven Seiler, very popular in the cycling community. Um, and he's popularized the term polarized training. Um, and again, the whole idea of polarized training is that 80% of your training would be done at low to medium intensity and only 20% of your training is done a high or very high intensity mm-hmm. and the worst place to live in your training is in the middle and he would call that the black hole of training so the black hole of training means that in in the middle so you never you, you so you go in and you train but you never um, worked truly hard enough to need two or three days of light yeah. intensity and then when you went in and you should have had a light day you never truly went light enough um, to allow your body to recover again well enough for the next or the consecutive hard session um, so by taking these pre-workouts the whole time, you're never getting a feel for your for your body. You're never able to truly what we call auto-regulate. So I would never, I would, I, I wouldn't be a big proponent of taking pre-workouts at all. Um, these pre-workouts will often contain think, think, contain substances like branched chain amino acids. Again, no positive research will show that it's any better than just taking in your calories pre or po- post workout. Mm-hmm. You know, so foods. again, uh, very expensive way to uh, you know to spend money and that uh, uh, you know that you don't really need. So I, you know what, Carl, I don't see many 14, 50 year olds running around with pre-workouts. Do you? <laughs> Like they're just smarter. Got sense. That's yeah, right. they're yeah, kind of like, course. okay, I'll take a multivitamin. <laughs> I'll get more sleep. I'll train in a more sustainable yeah. way. You know, Dominic says I got to work on my mobility. I'll do that. Yeah, that oh, makes a lot more sense. Even from listening to your answer, there it was fast. I think the listening to your body is one of the key tips I want our listeners to take from the session. Yeah, that if you feel rested, um, fed was was a word I was going to use or fueled is probably a better word Mm. from eating real food and you feel like you can train hard well then that's the day to train hard Yeah. if you go into the gym you've had a really busy day you're flat and you didn't really sleep 
that's the day to go Pull easier yeah. and do mobility, do flexibility. mobility work. Exactly. And, 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 and around that, Carl, never be apologetic about that. People will often say things like, but I'm like, I only did this and I only did that. I'm like, hold on a second here. Is if, you're, if you're apologetic about that, you're still not understanding that it's okay to do lighter days. They should naturally happen mm-hmm. as, a, as a byproduct of harder days. You have to have that up and down in training. Those principles have existed from Bill Barman that was a famous running coach back in the 50s. 50s and 60s, he had that three on one, three on one off sort of system. Um, Jack Daniels would, did that in running community way back then as well. It's existed for a very, very long time. And what we would do with a lot of our clients is get them to focus on their state of readiness. Mm-hmm. So we would get encourage our clients to wear heart rate um, uh, to, to track their smartwatch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or, or preferably ideal actually would be use something like HRV, so yeah. heart rate variability. So they'd strap on like you know a H10 polar monitor, hook it up with HRV or get Morpheus or get an aura ring which you can put on there's a couple of different tools um, that allow you to be able to track this you take a reading one two minutes depends on how on how the company do that it'll then give you the balance between your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system they will then be able to tell you how well how much you should push that day and it'll give you an overall state of readiness so then that acts as a nice little kind of person on your shoulder to say hey buddy you should probably pull back a little bit today so some of the companies will base on a scale of one to ten so Mm -hmm. they'll say let's say for example um, today I'm a nine so you, I have the potential to work harder today however me coming here today me doing a couple more so- uh, clients today me having like let's say you know seven or eight sessions in a, in a day to do then having to go and do voluntary work in the evening that's probably enough stress in my day as it is than adding to it with extra training then as well so Yes, you have the capacity to work harder. Whether you work harder or not that day is depend upon lifestyle factors. So it has to depend on you know what else is going on. And to simplify the readiness yeah. for some of our listeners, could you potentially use some something like resting heart rate yeah, as you a could, gauge? But it's not going to give you that balance. Wouldn't be as specific. No, no. It would give you kind of a rough guide, and you know that was probably what people would have used about ten years ago. But it's really cheap, like. Uh, you know, you get a strap for 60 euros. The Elite HRV app is free. A lot of the other ones that they're, they're going to start to come out, like Garmin and Polar, are all going to sync this in with their with their own sort of okay, systems. So of HRV. Over the next kind of year to two years, that's it, going like to be your Apple Watch and yeah. all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. You're going to see yeah. basically readiness in the Yeah, and the only issue we'd have with something like even we would track our heart, uh, client um, heart rate within session. Mm-hmm. So if clients come in and they say, like, oh, I'm not feeling 100%, we'll just strap a monitor on and just see what the heart rate's like within the session. So if that and and we've got we've had clients come in to us and you know tell us like oh they train a lot and then we'd strap a monitor on they're doing really what we would consider quite simple stuff and their heart rate's like one sixty five so mm-hmm. we're we'd pull them back show the numbers and say this isn't normal like yeah. you're just doing some really light exercise your heart rate's through the yeah, roof yeah heart rate's through the roof if you were to sit and do that session for like forty five minutes you'll wake up tomorrow a starving for carbohydrates because you've basically spent a huge amount of time in a glycolytic state meaning you're primarily using carbohydrates for that particular session that's not always a good thing and then secondly that again didn't come for free because the higher the heart rate you're working at the more stressful it is in your system so we would always um, get our clients to focus on building a good aerobic base before building before working on anaerobic activity so we get them to work on the simp- on the stuff that'll have their heart rate working at low intensity first before they work at high intensity. Okay. So build a base first. Yeah, key thing, build a base, listen to your body and have confidence in your body. It's yours, you'll know it. Yeah. If yeah. you're knackered, sometimes turn around, go home or do mobility work. Do instead. mobility work, yeah. Do something that just 
mind your body yeah. over the course of and session. what we found wh- what happens with that Carl because I know the criticism I've heard this all already is that people well you're just being weak Dominic that's you know you sometimes you have to just get in there and get it done anyway <laughs> you know don't listen to your body and yeah, again yeah. like I, I get so I get so disappointed when I hear so-called experts talking like that because you know, in the real world, that is not what's going to happen. You're going to have Mary come in. She didn't get any sleep last night because the kid's up all night or somebody's sick. So, again, you can't build consistency if you think that every session needs to be done at an eyeballs out pace. Yeah. So we're not saying never work hard. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that a lot of ordinary days will prepare you for extraordinary days. So the extraordinary days will just tend to happen when you've built up those simple days where you've been just tipping away, doing enough, getting a lot of volume, I'm big on volume, I'm big on doing a lot of stuff and quantity. That's hugely important. But the intensity should come as a byproduct of everything just clicking on those certain days. You know, um, and again, this is what this is how professional athletes treat themselves. Like Roger Federer isn't running around trying to hit PRs in his deadlift all the whole time, and neither the neither the Irish rugby team. You know, when they're trying to recover for the next game, yeah. it's, the, it's the Sky Cycling Team approach of the one percent that they're looking marginal for one percent marginal gains yeah. all the time, adding yeah. up to the bigger overall gain yeah. over the course of time. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask, folks. This has been a a. I'm fascinated. I've been sitting here listening and learning. It's been brilliant. I'm going to do a real hell podcast first uh, here. No question about it whatsoever. And uh, oh, I'm going to make this a decision that I think you're going to absolutely love. What I'm going to do is... don't have to take is, our shirt off again, do we? No, no. I'm going to ask Dominic <laughs> for two more tips for today's episode. Because there's been a huge amount of content. You may even want to listen back to the episode a second time just to get some of the content that's coming through. What we're going to do then is I'm going to bring Dominic back in about four to five weeks' time for a second episode. It'd be our first ever two-parter, oh my God. Uh, Dominic, on the podcast, uh, which over nearly 50 episodes Might run out so of content. Far. Not a chance. That is not going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's been fascinating. And it's a really, really good message. Um, yeah. And I think it's a message that comes from uh, experience. Mm. That when you are around 20 years, you are around for a time, you can look back and you can really have confidence in kind of analyzing stuff. And it's, an, and it's a message that comes from just caring, Carl. I just I'm so tired of, of of trainers and and people who are supposedly leaders within the industry and they clearly don't care. Like it has to come from a position where you think to yourself, well, my job with Mary here, like maybe like I get a lot of hard cases, like people who are broken and tired and burnt out, and you know, and physios send them to me, and orthopedic surgeons send mm-hmm. them to me, and they you know they're trying to you know figure that figure these people out. Um, but I often think of myself as like their last resort. And then people go away and they get more mobile and they get fitter and they get stronger. And and that's very, very rewarding. But I care enough to want to do the research and want to know a little bit more, whereas a lot of people tend to focus more on promoting themselves. Um, And I think we need to move away from that and more towards caring. And that's one of the reasons why myself and my wife in the last uh, year or two, we volunteered in our local athletic club single-handedly one of the best things I have ever done in 20 years working in the fitness industry to give back to my local community and affect young kids growing up in a positive way. And it's taking my skill set, which is quite broad, into the local community and to be able to give them some of the stuff that I would have been preaching to the adults for a very long time. And I think that 
I think that honestly, there would be less issues around mental health in the country if more people did voluntary work. It doesn't have to be in the football team because you might you might feel like, or the athletics club, you might not feel that's your skill mm-hmm. set. But I one it, it, it's out there. It is one hundred percent out there. So you open the door and you start to care for others a little bit more um, uh, than just you know spending your time binging on Netflix. Um, look at your screen time on your phone. That's a nice little thing you can see in your phone now. How much time you're spending on your phone the whole time because there's direct correlation between between how much time you're spending on your phone and anxiety and depression rates, you know, so they're definitely contributing factors. So the final tip we're going to give you from today's podcast, folks, which I'm not sure you, you thought you were going to get when we started our conversation, is volunteering. Mm. Give a little bit back and just see the impact that has. I, I'm i with you on that. I don't do it quite as much as you do, but in a smaller way, like random acts of kindness will be my my smaller version of yeah. it. But it is something for this year that I do want to, that I definitely want to do a little bit more of. You've taken a huge amount of content um, from today's podcast, I hope. Take some time with it. Download it a little bit in your head. Process it a little bit. But there's some really good key principles from the episode so far. As I said, in about four weeks, we're going to bring Dominic back in. If you'll, if you'll come back in mm. uh, to uh, to chat to us again and on in, the And on in the that period of time, I want the listeners to take away one big point. It's about consistency over intensity. Fresh is new fit. So make sure that whatever you're doing is keeping you with a sense of freshness, not burning you out to the point where you're never ready for the next session. So that will allow for a lot more consistency and keep those words in mind. If you have any questions, which I think you possibly will, knowing that I'm teeing it up that he's coming back into us in four weeks, you can email us, um, which is realhealth at independent.ie or at carlhenrypt on Twitter and on Instagram. Do get in touch and pop your questions over and we'll put them to Dominic when you come in. Folks, have a wonderful day. Keep listening, keep rating and reviewing and uh, you're going to meet Dominic again in about four weeks' time. Dominic Minnelli, thank you so much for coming in to oh, the Real Thanks Health for having Podcast. us on. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.